Let's see. We're going to get the call here. We're getting the right call. That's all that matters. After review, good goal. Good goal. After reviewing the play, the call on the ice stands. We got a goal. All right, guys, here we are for another episode of Rangers Review. My apologies in advance. We would have liked to have this episode out breaking when it happened, but Steve and I both respectfully were very busy at the time. I was at City Field for the Mets game. I look at the notification on my phone, and then I see Stevens DMing me because, oh, no, this happened. So a lot has happened with the Rangers as they've concluded their season. So we're really not even going to touch on the last couple games of the season. We know how they fared, especially against those last two games against Boston. So now let's focus on the offseason for the Rangers. But before we get into anything that we have to break that you guys know very well about by now, Stephen, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing good. Uh, good week. Uh, my brother became a dad. So Oh, congratulations. Family, family expansion. Um my girlfriend made it here for the first time in 16 months, so that's also big positive. Yeah, good week. And good week Dave, David Quinn got fired, so three for three. <laughs> so let's let's just let's just jump right in, okay? Because as you guys know, this was alarming. There was a belief that we would have an answer on DQ fairly shortly after we found out about Drury coming in the reins, and it was like, okay, well, if we're gonna find out an answer soon, isn't that kind of more than likely going to be that yes, he's gone? Because why would he make this? Even the articles are saying, you know, that a decision will be made soon. I'm like, well, if you're making a decision in the first place, it's kind of obvious that you're not sold on him. And ultimately enough, that's what happens. Chris Drury doesn't just get rid of him. He gets rid of the whole staff. Obviously, he gets rid of his supporting cast in Brown and also um, Oliver. But he also gets rid of a guy that was a little surprising just because of how well I thought he did from the defensive side of things. And on the penalty kill for the Rangers, that being in Jacques Martin after being with the Penguins for numerous years. But you could tell that Drury just won a clean house. So I was a little taken back, not too surprised, just surprised on the aggressiveness of this all. So the Rangers are already very much in the hunt for who their next head coach and supporting cast is going to be. So, Stephen, my question to you is, what was your initial reaction to when this transpired? Were you surprised? Were you not su- not surprised? What would you take out of David Quinn's tenure during the Rangers? Because there were positives. I wouldn't say that was all just a dark and gloomy cloud. Yeah, I said this to you before. I think David Quinn was better after he came back from his COVID break. You know, the two weeks where Chris Knobloch was behind the bench. I think after he came back from that, he was a different coach. He made different decisions. He didn't really, he didn't really stick to his uh, flawed um, reasoning as much. But apparently, it was already too late by then. Um, he got three years to to show what he can do, and apparently, it wasn't enough. I think the Rangers developed well, and if you look at the, I mean, if you look at everything. Uh, being part of the strongest division, only four teams out of the division making it. If if this was a, a, a normal top 16 seeding, the Rangers would be in the playoffs, playing in one of the tougher divisions. But I think what ultimately led to the downfall of David Quinn is everything that happened off the ice. Yeah. Um, you had the, the D'Angelo and Georgiev situation. Uh, you had the AD, the situation with Vitali Kravtsov, who complained about miscommunication. Lias Anderson, who complained about him not being allowed to to rehab in New York City. Uh, he was he was forced to to rehab in a way that he wasn't really comfortable with. 
Capo Kako openly criticized David Quinn last year in a podcast in, in Finland. Um, and I'm probably forgetting one or two other examples. All those yeah. things, all those things on their own are not really a big deal. But if you put all those things together, then that's a lot of issues in the last two years. And I think that's also part of the reason why the Rangers will probably do better now that they've moved on. Um, not that David Quinn was horrible, but he made some some baffling decisions that that this just didn't make him didn't make any sense. Now, yeah. how 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 was Julian Gauthier a healthy scratch for half the season? And I, before you go any further, I just want to expand on that because as you guys know, everyone watching the episodes, I've been a follower of mine or Stevens, you know, if you know me, you know that I've been a huge Julian Gauthier advocate really since the Rangers acquired him. I'm like, oh, okay. You trade a coveted prospect in Joey Keene, who looks like they very well can have a promising future with Carolina Hurricanes. You're getting rid of a guy because you know, you have strong depth there and you're bringing in an area of weakness at the time last season and Gauthier, former first round pick in 2016. He has the size, a lot like Kreider, has the speed, a lot like Kreider, but it's just been about finishing, putting everything together. I've seen a lot of great flashes from him. I think we can agree this season, but he just hasn't been in the lineup consistently enough. I'm like, this was his make or break year to an extent, I think, now that Krasov is here. So now you have to wonder, what future does he have with the team? Like, is he going to be given one now with the expansion coming up and everything? It's it's really frustrating because this was the year for him to get consistent playing time. And yes, I'm fully aware that you need to hold players accountable, but you're also in a rebuild, you know, last time I checked in a rebuild, you are in fact supposed to allow the kids to play to one way or another. And when you don't do it for Julian for half the season, that mm. in itself, in my mind is a red flag. And that was something that I was never okay with throughout the year. Yeah. And, and the things that you, you heard from players was that they just felt like that the rules were not, um, did not apply to everyone equally, you know, Holding players accountable, yes, that's great. But when it only applies to certain players and other players get away with everything, you know, there have been players on this team who had 20 bad games in a row and they're still in the lineup. And Julian Gauthier comes back, has five really good games, has one game where he has like two turnovers and whoop, he's, he's back in the press box again. It just, it didn't make sense. But that's just one thing, you know, fans have complained about Colin Blackwell being in the top six over Kraftsov or Kako. And, and again, it's all these small things on their own are not really a big deal. But if you add it all up, then I can understand why there was frustration within the team. And I think they just waited for the exit interviews. They always do this every year. After the last game of the season, they talk to all the players. And based on those player interviews, they usually make the decision. Like in 2013, Tortorella came off of a good season. Rangers made it to the second round of the playoffs. But after the exit interviews with players, he was replaced because the players just didn't feel comfortable playing under him anymore. So I'm pretty sure the player interviews had something to do with it. But now all the coaches are gone and now they get to – now Chris Drury, his first real act as a general manager, he gets to hire a new coach and a new coaching staff. So – yeah, and I, I think it's it's really appealing to my mind. I, I enjoy the aggressiveness. I think it's exciting. I think that we're going to be entering an offseason that we kind of aren't prepared for, at least what we were assuming would kind of transpire this offseason two and a half weeks ago is polar opposite of what it is now. You know, this is a Rangers team that led by Chris Drury, even though it was picked by James Dolan. Dolan has made it 
noted at least that he's keeping his hands out of the Rangers' way once again. He wants Drury to run, run everything. For at most, you know, he'd love for him to be the GM and president in the next two decades. So he has that upside with Dolan, which is positive, and I hope that Drury brings a lot. But you you have to be really curious about how the Rangers approach everything now, though. For a team that, yes, performance goes in hand to an extent, but now you have to worry about they have to make playoffs next year. I, I We've all been under the belief that they would with this current core group. So what are they going to do to upgrade? Well, before we even get to the player decision-making, we have to talk about what is next for the Rangers, right? What are their head coaching options now? And are there ones that are appealing enough? Because the the biggest thing with David Quinn, I think we can all agree, is while he definitely wasn't perfect and you heard a lot more negativity than probably positivity out of me this season, which is something that I haven't done in the first two years with Quinn, this year just hit different with me, unfortunately you have to wonder how much more of a positive can it be depending on who you bring in. Now, if you look at the options, as we know, there are a plethora of head coach options that, that will go the Rangers thing, uh, way. But one thing is certain, the Rangers are not going to do another, I guess you could say, quote-unquote experiment, where David Quinn was kind of you know outside the box and there wasn't an issue because you're in a full rebuild. So you want a guy that will hopefully help your, uh, rebuild your young talent, You know, really blossom this team into a playoff contender. But... Now the Rangers, in my mind, seem set in stone on getting a veteran, a guy that has a good track record. Can he continue that track record or even go above that still? And it's all season vets, and it's something that I'm not in love with, but there really aren't isn't any other options. So, Stephen, when you look at these head coaches, and we'll, we can go down one by one our stances on them, are there any that really stand out to you as either a surprise option or ones that you think are definitely – um, ones that you would not like to see come to fruition, even though they very well could be a top three or top five pick on Drew's list currently. Uh, yeah, I see Ranger fans being excited about Tortorella. I don't understand that excitement. I don't under, I don't understand that either. And we, we can, we'll get into that. Um, but it's probably going to be Gallant. He's the most obvious candidate. Probably not my number one candidate, but one I can, I can live with. I, w- I wouldn't be upset if he's the one that's, getting hired as the head coach, um, you know, worked in Florida, worked in Vegas, especially in Florida, worked with a very young Barkov and Huberto and look how they blossomed. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens, but I think he's going to be the guy they go after first. Um, and yeah, why wouldn't he sign with the Rangers? I mean, it's not like he, it's not like there are a lot of, teams in the league with the history of the Rangers that are currently looking for a head coach, you know? So if, if he, if he gets an offer from the Rangers, I'm pretty sure I'll take it. Um, but yeah, there's, there's a coach from Sweden that they were talking to, uh, they, were, they were linked to actually, uh, Sam Hallam, who um, has won some championships in the Swedish hockey league and at lower levels. Um, I don't think he's going to be the head coach because of what you said. You know, they want someone with experience because you can either have an inexperienced team or an inexperienced coach. You cannot have both. Um, but it's interesting that they get linked to another European coach. Three years ago, they were linked to Philip Pesan from the Czech Republic. So yeah, maybe maybe it's something that's that's it's pointing at something that happened and happens in the future. Maybe we will finally see a European head coach again in the NHL. Because as far as I'm aware, the last European-born head coach in the NHL was in 2003. So it's been it's been almost 20 years. Um, but for the Rangers, Gallant's probably the best option. Yeah, I mean, Gallant is a guy where, you know, Rangers fans all season long were toying about his name. You know, ever since he got caught by Vegas, which 
was a really, really surprising decision at the time. Because I do believe, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't Gallant just um, – he was coming off of another strong season with Vegas, but things just ended up – or maybe it was a bad start to his season, one of the two, but he wasn't doing terrible with Vegas at all. And same thing could be said during his time with Florida. You know, I, it's obviously head coaches are easy scapegoats, especially if, say, there's a bigger issue with management or whatever it may be. But Gallant has had a good track record in his career, and he's it's been surprising that he has been – out for this long, but I do know that there was a report um, not too long ago that indicated that Gallant was approached by at least one team over the past year and denied them. So I don't know who that team was, if it was a team that clearly didn't look like they had success in the near future or whatever, but it will be interesting. It really will be, and I'm not against Gallant either. I think when you look at the current options in front of us, he's probably, if not my favorite, then darn close to. Um, nothing that I love about it. Um, I think when you look at options, it would be nice uh, almost if the Rangers could go for, say, almost an assistant or um, that's in a league for one of the um, better teams in the league right now, like Colorado, for instance, just comes to mind. But that won't happen. Um, so you have to look at the guys that are currently out there in the field. And Gallant, I'm not I'm not against whatsoever, but I, I also want you to know your stance possibly on Bob Hartley because Hartley is a guy where – when I think of his time during the Flames, I don't think of all that positivity. I feel like it was very short-lived with his success there, and then it quickly spir- spiraled downward after having a great start to his coaching career there. And since then, he's just coming off of a KHL championship now, um, I believe with the same team Ilya Kovalchuk was on. Um, and now when you look at Hartley, he does have a really good connection with Chris Drury. I do believe that they have um, they've they've worked together. I'm, I'm almost certain that they've won – um, some type of championship together before, but they have a strong connection. So do you have any stances on Bob Hartley? And if you think that's a positive or a negative, because from everything that I've read and seen, it does look like he is in fact, one of the heavier favorites along with Golan and some others. Yeah. I think Hartley is a favorite because he coached Drury in Colorado. They won a standing cup together. Yes. Yes. Um, and maybe because the Rangers do have five Russians on the team, he just finished his third season coaching in Russia, winning the Gagarin Cup there. Maybe that's why people link him to the Rangers. And you could you could say that that's a positive. You know, someone who's worked in Russia probably has an easier time, um, like, relating to the culture that the Russians are dealing with, where they're from. Um, and, of course, like I said, the, the Drury connections there. Um, I think the... The only hurdle that Hartley might have to overcome is the reason why he left the NHL in the first place. He wasn't really successful in Calgary, but that was also a Calgary team that had a really young Sean Monaghan and Johnny Goudreau. He got them to the playoffs once. I think they made it to the second round that year. Um, Yeah, I mean, he has the experience, but... The, the question mark will be, can he still do it? Can he be a good coach in today's NHL compared to being a good coach in the NHL 20 years ago? So that's, that's probably the negative for Hartley. Same with Galland, you know, there are some question marks. Why did Florida fire him when they were on their way up? Why did Vegas fire him after he got them to a Stanley Cup final in year one to the second round in year two? And the moment he got fired in Vegas, they were top of the top of the division. So what was going on there? That's that would be my question. But ultimately, what it comes down to is that 
you will never get the best coach in the world because the best coaches in the world are already employed. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the perfect point. You know, as good as these guys may seem on paper, there's a reason why they're currently, you know, free agents for one way or another. And Gallant again, it, it, the interesting factors about him. And I think this goes with all the coaching options for the Rangers. And what my main concern is, is the development factor. Okay. I get it that this is a team that is expected to be a playoff contender next year and to hopefully have deep playoff runs within the next couple of years. But in my mind, this doesn't just erase the fact that this team is still in a rebuild because they are still very much in rebuild. You have Alexi Lafreniere just coming off of his rookie year. Hopefully, you know, he has a monster year next year. Same thing with Capococco. But you still have so many young players in this lineup that have yet to even reach remotely close to their full potential, let alone even be in the lineup if you're looking from a defensive side of things. You know, same thing with Niels Lundqvist, um, Zach Jones, just to name a few, Matthew Robertson, Braden Schneider, if these guys get time. Like, that's my main concern here is whoever the Rangers bring in, they're going to be more than likely a seasoned vet unless they surprise us and do maybe another kind of experimental pick, but it just seems doubtful now. So that's my main concern. And then when you look at the other guys down the list is Hartley, again, I don't think he's a terrible option, but he's definitely not my favorite. Gallant would probably be my favorite right now. For the most part, I, I think Chris Knobloch would honestly check off a lot of the boxes, but it just doesn't seem likely after I've been thinking about it lately. Could they give him the head coaching job? Maybe, but I think he'd probably be best fit in an assistant role. I kind of doubt that they're going to jump the gun and go all the way to the head coach role with him. I just, I could be wrong. Maybe Drury has a soft spot for him because of the short success they had this year when they were actually behind the bench. But then you look at other guys too. It's like Bruce, uh, Bruce Boudreau. Boudreau's had plenty of success. And he's had a lot of not so great success, especially I believe the last team he was with, correct me if I'm wrong, I thought it was Minnesota. And it just, he's one of those where I don't have any interest in whatsoever. If you look at John Tortorella, and let's talk about Torts for a second. I love John Tortorella, and I think most Ranger fans do. Uh, we love his personality, that fire. He is the exact embodiment of what a head coach should be, especially playoff time. But for how this team is currently constructed, I think it is telling that John Tortorella would not be the, the proper route. I know that he probably has good connection with James Dolan and everyone in the organization still, but Tortorella is not a development coach, not in the sense of giving young kids consistent playing time. Like If we were aggravated enough, with David Quinn and how he utilized our young forwards and Capo, you know, Lafreniere to an extent, I highly doubt it's going to be any better under John Tortorella. I really do. And that's a big concern of mine as well. A defensive first coach. Yes, he has a good connection with Panarin, but um, I don't necessarily know how great their relationship is. I know it's solid from everything that I've read, but he's definitely a red flag. I think that ship has sailed and I hope it does. Um, will I be all upset if he does become the Rangers head coach? Or no, I won't. But I want to know your thoughts here on John Tortorella now, Stephen, because when you look at everything, it just, it in my mind, kind of contradicts a lot of things about this team and where they're trying to be headed because they're still in a rebuild technically. Yes, they're supposed to be playoff contenders, but Torts, in my mind, is the perfect guy for a team where you're already fully playoff set and your younger players have already developed a couple of years. And look at how he's done with Columbus with younger guys there, you know. It's either you love him or hate him type thing, no matter what organization you're a part of. And uh, it would, I'm not in favor of that, uh, the device, the diversity not being as um, neutral with all the players. Yeah. Look, Tortorella has had a success again, say with Hartley about two decades ago. Um, he won a playoff series with Columbus. So there's that. But I think with Tortorella, what it comes down to is that the, the negatives outweigh the positives with him. You know, he he ran 
Pierre-Luc Dubois out of town. They traded him for Patrick Laine, who now is having the same issues. Um, look, it's it's probably just not the right fit. If, Like you said, if you are on the cusp of winning at all and you need that final push, then you can make a case for him. But this team needs someone behind the bench who gives the players the confidence to 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 just play their own game. Um, and yeah, like with Gerard Gallant, the, the downside is that he has never won a cup. So I can understand people who say, yeah, you need someone behind the bench who has been there before, who has already won a cup before, because we don't have anyone on the ice who has that experience. And if you look at Tampa Bay Lightning last year, everyone talked about Blake Coleman and Barclay Goudreau. But I think their biggest acquisition that season was Patrick, Patrick Maroon, who they got from St. Louis. Um, mm. Bringing in the experience of someone who's won a cup, who knows you know what it, what it, what it takes to, to take that final step. You need that either on your team or behind the bench. And we don't have it on the team, so it would be nice to have it behind the bench. That's the only point I can make in favor of Tortorella here. Yeah, and I Tortorella again. The interesting factor about him is he does have that championship pedigree. Was it back in two thousand four? Yes, it was a while ago. Um, could he even go further and say it was a controversial Stanley Cup series? Yes, it was. But he does have that resume under his belt, and it is something that the other candidates, for the most part, don't. Except for really one that I'm looking at from a coaching standpoint is that is Mike Babcock. But he is a guy that I truly hope the Rangers do not give any consideration to. He's another that I feel that because he's been you know one of the better coaches of the past two decades in the league. Naturally, you, you have that resume, but you know, he hasn't like torts in a lot of ways. He hasn't won in a while, a while. They're not hard away from each other in their play style. And I just, he's another guy where I, and there's a lot of controversies with Babcock too. I just, another thing that I think we need to put into consideration too, which maybe might favor torts in the end, which I understand it. I just don't. I'm worried from the player development side of things more than anything. And again, this is a team that is not fully developed. That's my major concern is having grit. You know, you saw Mark Messier come out and say, oh, I would have never constructed a team that way. Okay, Mess, thanks. Thanks for that point. But when we're talking about how the team is currently constructed, it's true. They are soft in one way or another. They are a team that does lack grit, um, a team that at times could lack if anyone another. I thought that they bounced back well in the in the game against Capitals, just trying to make a statement. But emotions were high. Things were different. When you're talking from an overall game standpoint, a more hard-nosed team, there is no doubting whatsoever that John Tortorella, Tortorella would instill that in the Rangers' lap right away. That's what he did during his time with the Rangers years ago when he was with them. They were a hard-nosed team that, in a lot of ways, is how I view the Islanders right now and have for a while. The Islanders have been a very hard-nosed defensive team. They are so ridiculously hard to get off the puck. They hound you plenty of times. They keep you out of the zone. And but they normally don't have that number one. You know, they don't like when the Rangers, they didn't have that number. Yes, you had Gabrick, but there wasn't enough more to his game that could take you to the next level. And there really wasn't much around him. The Rangers have all those pieces now, but would that be enough of a balance with Tortorella? That is something that I don't have the answer to. But I think like everything else, I understand the positives. I understand why he could be so appealing. I just hope that from the Rangers standpoint, they don't act too drastic and really view the Tom Wilson situation as like, okay, we need to, we need to drastically change the outlook of this team and how we approached it from an overall play style. So that's kind of my final stance on torts. I understand the positives, but I, I 
more than enough understand the negatives as well. He's not my favorite. He's not my least favorite, but he's a guy that I would definitely pass on if you're looking at some other people. And if you look down the list too, Rick Tockett is done with Arizona. He's another guy where defensively my first, he's been great for Arizona, a team that has had a little to no offense for sure. Awfully similar to Columbus in a lot of ways past couple of years, but not even nearly as strong. And they've still managed to make playoffs or at least be fringe playoff team with the little players that he has around them, which has been impressive. But like Torts, there's a lot of negatives to, uh, I think, from the forefront. We're talking as well from a strictly defensive-minded stand, uh, standpoint, great goaltending, all that. But they're just guys where no, no one, really no one stands out to me the way that Gerard Gallant does, just in the sense of while Gallant necessarily hasn't been a star known for his player development, he has been known at least for really uprising solid teams from a defensive and an offensive standpoint. Nothing overly drastic one or the other, just solid overall play that'll get it done. And I think that whatever decision they make now, unless it's a newer guy that we weren't initially expecting, will be a short-term solution. It really kind of helped them, gel them, get that veteran outlook for the next couple of years. You know, they want to make the guy, whoever's going to be next, the next guy for their next five-plus years for the playoff run, sure. But it just doesn't feel all that likely given their options. What's your stance on that? Yeah, it's first of all, it's probably not going to be five-plus years because especially exactly. in Rangers history – since the 1940s, the Rangers have had one coach who was behind the bench for five full seasons in a row. That was Alain Vignon. He's the only one since the 1940s. Um, so whoever the coach is going to be, he's going to be here for three, four years, maybe four and a half. But I don't expect the coach to be here for five plus years. This is not a coach that's going to take the Rangers and you know win three, four cups and be here for a decade plus. It's just not going to happen. Whoever it is, we'll see. I mean, we don't know. Rick Tucker, you say he's he hasn't had the um, the results, but he's coaching the Coyotes. I mean, what can you expect? That exactly, and that's fair. They had a general manager that that messed up so much that they lost the first round pick, and they drafted a kid that they were forced to relinquish the rights to because they get an interview improperly that 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 franchise is a mess um so is talking a good coach or a bad coach who knows nobody knows it's like a little bit like babcock in a weird way because a lot of people say babcock is a great coach but is he really a great coach or was he just lucky to walk into detroit at the tail end of a 25-year playoff streak where he got to win a cup with Lidstrom and Zetterberg and Franzen and Datsuk and Cronwall and all the others. Who knows? Um, what I do know about Babcock is that he chased players out of the locker room. Uh, Franzen, Marner. Yeah, I, I don't think he's he's a realistic target. Um, it's probably going to be Galan, so we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see who he wants as his assistants. But I understand why they got rid of Jacques Martin, even though Martin was actually was actually actually did a good job with our defense. And that's because of what happened with Lindy Ruff. When David Quinn was hired, they already had Lindy Ruff in the organization. And they kept him there. And that just didn't work. So 
it feels like they want to give the next head coach the opportunity to bring in an entire crew. Exactly. Don't, don't have to deal with the remnants of a previous administration, so to speak. Um, so it, from that point of view, it makes sense. Yeah, and that's a fantastic point. I was going to bring that up as well. Yeah, those were those were Quinn's guys one way or another. He picked Jacques Martin when the opportunity presented itself, and that was a good pick looking back. And, you know, it's one of those things where I do think Martin's going to continue to have good success, but it's something I'm really going to hang my head on because it just the situation was just not going to be as appealing to anyone coming in, and they were not really able to help pick their own supporting cast, which, yeah. again, makes full sense. So now to kind of wrap up, I would say the coaching talk right now, I would love to segue with you talking about now the entire ordeal. And I know that we've talked about this before, and I know that you're not in the most love of this, but let's talk about Jack Eichel for a minute. Okay. Because Eichel, as we know, we saw from his presser, things are not looking good with Buffalo. If you had asked me, I would say that his days are done in Buffalo. If you, I don't know if you caught his presser that he did over the past week, but it was pretty obvious. The guy, it already looks like that there's a, um, a dispute or something going on between him and the organization where he wants surgery, but because of the contract and what he's under, the team won't allow him to get surgery, which is a major red flag. And it just, from all of his wording, it's pretty clear that he does not want to play in Buffalo anymore. And they need to get him trade sooner than later before um, the, uh, the clauses kick, kick in and everything for the no move, no trade. So I want to know what is your kind of stance at this point in time about Jack Eichel and with the Rangers constantly being on the radar as one of, if not the biggest favorite heading into this offseason, would you be in more favor of things now? Would you be in less of favor of things now? Because I, as much as we love Sasha Barkov, he isn't going anywhere, especially with a Florida team that looks like they're probably having a deep run and actually a very strong GM. And shout out to Bill Zito. I thought that was a really smart hire when they brought him in from Columbus, and he's thriving there. So let's just focus on just strictly Jack Eichel. What do you like about the situation right now? What do you not like about the situation now? And do you think that we very well will see him in the Rangers uniform next season? Are you asking me if I want my team to trade for a player who openly criticizes his employer about yes. getting surgery? I, 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 I honestly do, given the situation <laughs> in Buffalo. All right. Um, nope. I think considering all things considered, what it takes to trade for him, his cap hit, his baggage. It's just, I, I just don't see it being a good fit. Um, there are other teams that can use him as well, that can probably put together a good package. It's probably going to cost more for a team in the East because GMs are idiots. And they always prefer to trade a player to the other conference. So you would have to overpay to, to, to acquire him as a team from the East. Just let him go to Minnesota or LA. I don't care. I just I I don't think Jack Eichel is the answer for this team. Do you we, think that at the right price, however, if somehow if maybe all the disputes that have been going on with Buffalo cause the Rangers to get in a lucky situation, like kind of how they've been in others before in years past, with either um just lucky out with certain trades, you know, uh, not using Adam Fox as an example, but just in the sense of getting him for. Uh, essentially a lower value than what you were initially expecting. If the Rangers are in that situation where it is a trade that makes plenty of sense at the time, would you be more favor of it? Knowing that it isn't as clear as, oh, you're giving up a lot of major prospects and uh, basically your future along with a lot of the cap space. Ultimately, it just depends on the price. Yeah. And what does it cost to acquire him? But um, yeah, I, I'm look, if I, if you, Ask me to choose between 
Jack Eichel and Mika Zibanejad, just based on who they are as players, where they are in their careers, I'd pick Jack Eichel. He's younger, you know, he, he has a little bit more upside, but that's just not the way it is. You know, it's, if, if he was a free agent, then it's easy. You just pay the 10 million a year and you acquire him, like we did with Panarin. With Panarin. Yeah. But this is about trading for a player first. And look, if if you can get him for a package that's like Hedl, Bujnevich, Robertson, and a first, then yeah, go for it. Do it. That's that's a package that that I would be happy with. The same package, similar package to what we gave up for Rick Nash. But if you start talking about including Nils Lundqvist or Keandre Miller or Capo Caco, Alexi Lafreniere, then for me that's that, that makes it probably a no. Yeah. And the other thing is I don't think the Rangers are one top player away from being a contender. I think the Rangers are some depth players away from being a contender. They yeah, we talked about that. They need to round out their team. They need to balance their team more than they need that star center. We already have Zibanejad and Strom. So let's let's talk about that as a segue. So again, in a nutshell, I know your stance. I would love Jack Eichel, but at the right price. Because as phenomenal as he's been in his career, around a point per game or so, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me. I know he's had a stellar start to his career, though. He has been dealing with a decent amount of injuries. And for a guy that's also openly saying that, yeah, he kind of needs surgery, but he's not giving it right now, that would be put the Rangers in a situation, I would assume at least, given how things currently stand where they acquired him, first thing you would need to do is get surgery. So you're already you're being delayed from having that potential franchise star in the lineup. And he's he's dealt with injuries numerous times in his career already. So that's my biggest concern with him. I'm not nearly as worried about how outspoken he was with Buffalo. I, I you know... While I don't view it uh, as a positive from a professional standpoint, it's kind of universal with the entire Buffalo organization. They're just a shit show, unfortunately, and they have their ownership to blame for that. It's from top down. Everything has been horrendous for years now. Nothing has led to success there. Even when they try to, everything's half-assed. So what I want to ask you, though, from a player standpoint, this is a player that I, I do believe Larry Brooks has talked about, and this one would be unbelievably appealing to my mind should he be available, even though I know this price would be pretty steep as well, is a guy that would bring grit to this lineup and someone that I know that I think we talked about before, Drew Dye would be pleased on that he's away, is Mr. Matthew Kachuk. So how would he feel about a Matthew Kachuk situation? Because from everything that I'm seeing as of late, that very well could be such a smart route on the Rangers' end. And if there's one player that I would love to kind of bring that snarl that we talked about that can combat a Tom Wilson should need be, but also put up plenty of points in a season and really help you when you're kind of getting on the cusp of being a playoff contender while this guy is still very much a young and fully in his prime and still blossoming. How do you feel about Matthew Kachuk? Yeah, you would have to probably trade a winger in return because where else is he going to play? Correct. Yeah. Could be a guy of a Pavel Buchnevich, for instance. Um, it's probably the type of player this team – Needs more than Jack Eichel, yes. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that he's one that will definitely be interesting to see how much interest the Rangers show in um, showing him, if at all, this offseason. But, Stephen, to kind of wrap up our episode today, I want to ask you, what do you think is going to be the next steps for this Rangers organization? So do so you think that whoever they bring in as head coach 
is going to have a drastic impact on the players they possibly acquire. So you think that going into this offseason and the draft, and we're going to get into all that. I'm excited for when we do our draft coverage and stuff. But when you're talking from a player standpoint, at this point in time, how would you expect the Rangers to kind of play out the offseason that's now upcoming? Um, I think there's going to be a bunch of trades where we're giving up players that as fans we got, you know, we got familiar with either first team players or prospects. Um, they have so many prospects now. They have to do something with it. You cannot play them all. You cannot sign them all. You're going to have to trade some of them. Um, ideally, just get some guys that, that round out your team, that balance your team. Uh, there's there's no need to acquire a another star player. You know, you, the salary cap is going to be an issue in two, three years. So signing someone now for seven, eight years at 10 million is just going to be a, a little bit of an issue going, moving forward. So get some some middle six players that, that bring a little bit of both. I don't mind getting a physical player as long as he still contributes on the ice. Um, I, I honestly, yeah, Kachuk is a good example, but he'll probably cost a lot. And why would Calgary move him? Exactly. Um, but, you know, someone like the type of trade that Tampa Bay uh, made last year where they acquire Blake Coleman. Angry that's where you go for a guy that can score goals for you, but also can help you win some of the grittier matchups. Um, without giving up your top prospects. Uh, Kako and Lafreniere are not going anywhere. Kravtsov, maybe. You know, it depends on who the return is, but I also don't see them trading Kravtsov with how he came in and how he performed, and the team seems to be quite happy with him. So, Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Kravtsov, we'll see. I think he's obviously, when you're talking about, like, the main youngsters for the Rangers, I could see as most appealing in a bigger trade. It's It's obviously him. Um, I hope it doesn't happen because I do really like Vitaly and I think he's going to have a great future. But, yeah, it's going to be very interesting to see how they play out the remainder of the offseason. And really, if they do, in fact, go all in and be aggressive the way that Chris Drury has presented himself now as the GM and president to get rid of the staff as quick as they did. Just the amount of aggressiveness quick over the past week and a half has been ridiculous from a Rangers standpoint. You know, from starting off with this statement, then you get on to firing both J.D. and – um and Gordon and now these firings now of Quinn's supporting cast is all quick in a short period of time. So I'm, 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 I'm awfully curious to see how quick and demanding they're going to be heading in now as the playoffs are about to start for the NHL as we know. And as we head into the off season and ultimately the, the draft, the expansion, which I'm really excited to cover with you because I do think it's going to be a very eventful one, no yeah. less for our Rangers. Yeah. So, um, um, I think I think the surprising addition in a trade is going to be a left-handed defenseman. Yeah, I've been I've been seeing some notions of that because I know that I've seen some articles or just statements that indicate that the Rangers are interested in bringing in another top four, top six defenseman. Um, especially if Brandon Smith is gone. I know Smith is a great locker room guy, but it does kind of feel like his time here is done now. Um, as much as I would love, and I think I said this last episode too to have a, like an all youngster defense. It just isn't going to happen. I do feel mm -hmm. that, you know, I know that guys like David Savard for Columbus has been toyed with before, even though he's right-handed, I believe. Uh, Matias Ekholm, Ekholm's really, really appealing to my mind. Nashville's a team that, you know, I believe they just made playoffs, but 
they're just they have so many issues there. All their big contracts are not. I mean, up Nashville's, Nashville's issue is that they cannot protect everyone in the expansion draft. So there might be a deal to be made there uh, to acquire Ekholm for some futures. Um, yeah, I mean he's an interesting target because pair him with Nils Lundqvist and and you're done, in my opinion. Yeah, Ekholm is such an underrated defenseman. I know yeah. that he hasn't necessarily been as stellar as of late, but. In years past, I think that the potential can still prove itself, especially if you have a youngster like Niels. Like, let him go up and do the work. I know that Ekholm can provide both mm-hmm. on the special teams, on offensively and defensively, but if you have an offensively gifted defenseman like Niels or whoever along his side, then you know just let him sit back to his thing, and that could be exactly what the Rangers need. And if I would make an upgrade at center, I'd probably try to acquire Sean Couturier. I oh, sign me the hell up, Stephen. Kateria is one of my one of the most underrated guys out there. I don't know what the situation would be with Philly. However, if Philly, look, Philly needs to get into a rebuild. Okay, with what they're doing with AV, nothing is going to turn positive. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm curious if Flyers fans are starting to realize that by now or not. They were all head over heels with AV like anyone else. But I try to warn my friends, our Flyers fans. I'm like, this is not going to end well for you. Okay, trust me, this is all going to be the same thing, routine, routine. He's going to blame the players. He's not going to blame himself. So assuming that the Flyers go more down a possible rebuild slash retool route, give me Sean Couturier any day of the week. Have him in your top nine. He's a proven Selkie winner. The guy can still get it done. The the Couturiers, the Bergerons, those are some of my favorite players in hockey because they do everything right whatsoever. They win you face-offs, too, might I add. The Rangers don't even have bad center depth right now given how well Strom's been playing, but they can't win a face-off for their goddamn life. Bring in a guy like Couturier, help them out, hopefully help out the guys around him too, and both Mika, Strom. If Heedle's still there, okay, uh, even though it probably wouldn't be at yeah, that case. Either way, Couturier, definitely sign me up if that is at all a possibility. Yep, that's that's that, that's it. That's it for me for today. That's the, That was actually the, the, the one name I just still wanted to drop before the end, so. Oh, there you go. Has there been a connection there, or is that just your own personal opinion? I, I, th- I think the Rangers could really use a good two-way center who plays on the penalty kill because as I, I just don't want to see a guy like Zibanejad on the PK because you want to save those minutes for the power play and even strength. Agreed. Where he's best. So, And I've been a big fan of Couturier ever since he was drafted, and, and I think he's just he would be a good fit. And if you can convince Philly to go into a rebuild or a retool and get a package around Philip Hedel and a first round pick, you know, that, that would be interesting. It would certainly speed up the process, which is something Dolan wants. That That's true. And I think it would benefit a lot every end for the Rangers. That's a guy and that's then, the opposite of one dimensional. And you don't tear down the, uh, the prospect pool, which you would do in a trade for Eichel. And that's another great point. So I like the way you're thinking. You know, uh, we love we love Sasha Barkov. He's a guy that's phenomenal both ends of the ice. But if you can't go to that price level, let's go to the B list. You know, and that B list has a Couturier's among some others. So again, I wouldn't call Couturier B list when he's a Selkie candidate. But yes. I'm saying B list in the sense of um, notoriety. I think he gets. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. They they just need that type of player. You know, and and I don't think Eichel brings what they need the most. He's a good player. He will make us a better team. But I think there are other factors that he doesn't really address. And that's fair. I Yeah, I don't think that if he was brought in, he would ultimately solve all the Rangers' problems. No, they're a team in a rebuild. They have a lot more work that they need to do as a club. 
and from an individual performance standpoint than just bringing in a star and thinking, okay, you know, that's it. You know, I, they still have plenty more to do in my mind. Yeah. To if, where if, if you give me the choice to acquire Jack Eichel or acquire Sean Couturier and Matthias Eckholm into separate trades, give me scenario B every day. Especially for how the team is constructed right now and how they're trying to be. I, I tend to agree with you. As as appealing as Eichel is, and maybe it's one of those things where if it was actually brought in front of me, like if I was the one making the decision, that might be a lot harder. But when you put all the factors in, yeah. Yeah, that would definitely help out a lot of things. So with saying that, Steven, I think we really hit the nail on the head for everything for today's episode. Not as long as usual, just because it was drastic what happened with DQ and everything. We discussed that. But now just kind of a waiting game for you know the next five to days to a week next time we talk maybe the rangers will already have a head coach in position i'm not sure i know that go on from the article that i saw from the post i believe it was molly walker walker that came out with it I could be wrong don't quote me um said that the rangers were trying to get an interview done before he goes on the coach because i do believe he's coaching the world championships so if that changes anything we'll see but i'm excited though i just gotta say i love uncertainty in a positive way knowing that the rangers are in fact going to be making moves doing all these things we just really have no clue as to what exactly it's going to be right now true and um yeah we'll see what happens but the rangers are on their way to be to become a contender so just yeah. let the kids grow let them improve and and this will be a fun ride no i i couldn't agree more steven well as always rangers fans thank you all so much for listening and watching if you checked us out on youtube make sure to drop a like and a subscription means a lot if you're listening to us through the normal podcast make sure to leave a good review all those great stuff again guys a lot of stuff's going to be changing here for Rangers review on all platforms as we get into the summer and get things more structured. So stay tuned for that. But as always, thank you so much guys. And Steven, any last words? Uh, who's going to win the Stanley cup? Ooh, 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 see, that's, that's the funny thing. I haven't even made a bracket. I'm, I'm behind on all those things. Okay. Who's going to win the Stanley cup this year? Man, 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 man. It's like you want, you want Colorado so damn bad. And they were kind of my pick going into the season. Um, I, my top three are Colorado, Vegas, and Carolina. Those are my three. Um, that, those are, those are three good teams. Um, yeah, I, I think look, Colorado has been really firing on all cylinders the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, but it's hard to bet against Vegas, you know, with guys know. like Theodore, Petrangelo, Stone, uh, Pacioretty, uh, Smith, Carlson, they, they just have, up and down the lineup, players that can win games for them. I haven't even mentioned Alex Tuck. But, yeah, um, whoever comes out of that part of the bracket between Colorado and Vegas is going to win the Stanley Cup, in my opinion. Yeah, that's fine. I'll go with you. I'll, I'll stick with that same pick. I love I love the fact that Carolina did better than everyone else this mm -hmm. year, or at least were they ahead or below Tampa? I believe they won the division, no? Who? Uh, Carolina, did they win their division or did they? Yeah, Florida finished second, Tampa finished third. So Florida has home ice advantage. Yeah, and I'm excited to see Florida in playoffs too. They're actually looking structured now. But I, mm -hmm. uh, I have to say it's going to be one of Vegas or the Avs, and I'm going to stick with my gut pick going into the season. I just love the Avs. All they got to do is stay mm -hmm. healthy. That's and, and Maple Leafs fans must be thrilled that they're not facing the Bruins this year. I know. Then we'll see how they do against the Habs, though. That's either going to be oh, a quick imagine series. if they lose. Imagine if they lose to Montreal in the first oh, round. Oh, that would be hilarious. That truly would be. We'll, we'll see, though. We'll see if you're if you're a Leafs or a Habs fan. Good luck, guys. That should be a very intriguing series. Maybe not as lopsided as you think because of the rivalry. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, that's it. I'm picking. I'm picking the Habs, sticking with my guns until proven otherwise. So I'll Steven, go for Vegas. Man. 
You're going for Vegas? All right. Hell yeah. We'll see what happens then. So, again, thank you guys for chiming in. It means a lot. And, Stephen, let's go Rangers. Let's go Rangers.